Hello there, nerds, and welcome to Go To There, 30 Rock Podcast, a weekly chronological journey through 30 Rock, looking at the jokes, the references, the highs, the lows, and all the blurgs that come with one of the best shows of the 21st century. As always, I'm your host, Curtis Stone, and joining me is... David Amick. And welcome to episode 107, season 6, episode 4, entitled The Ballad of Kenneth Parcell, originally airing January 26th, 2012. David, if you would, please give us a quick summary slash synopsis of this episode. This is going to go up on the nine-year anniversary of this episode. Wow. That's fun how that works out. After learning from that ideal model of efficiency Washington that people people communicate by email and text, Jack decides to save money for NBC by eliminating the page program, leading Kenneth to an existential crisis of wondering what he should do next. Was it really much of a crisis? I mean, he kind of took his... That's true. He just kind of left and then came back. Anyway. Meanwhile, Jenna has become so famous from America's Kids Got Singing that she's starring in the latest iteration of Blank Day movies, the next one being Martin Luther King Day, and craving for friends who understand her now that she's so famous. Like Charlie Bit My Finger. Like the Charlie Bit My Finger kid and a knockoff Kardashian. That you've never heard of and will never hear from again. And turned off by Jenna's arrogance, Liz tries to find a new friend of her own. Finally, it's Tracy's birthday, and after a mix-up where .com requests people send gifts to char- send gifts to charity instead of presents to Tracy, Tracy wonders if he truly if he truly has everything. What even matters anymore? No, um, I think this is uh, this is an episode that kind of returned to form for Thirty Rock. Like, I mean, it definitely is like super silly, super over the top, just wacky antics. You know, we have our main star outside of a Barnes and Noble, which uh, that's a kind of a dated joke already. Uh, Barnes and Noble being a thing still. Barnes and Noble still doing pretty well. But I mean, bookstores in general, unless you're a big name brand, they're few and far between. Um, But like her standing outside of a bathroom to to get to make a new friend, and then the the D list celebrities like Jenna thinks so highly of herself, but she's still so low rank in terms of celebrity status. But she still has a little clique that she that she's formed of, and they're all the exact same way. Like, uh, I like that this is how the, the setup to how we get where Jenna and Liz break off their relationship, where Jenna plays Liz really well, just, you know, to get get out of having paint thrown or anything like that. Like, it's, it is it is a nice touch because we haven't had a Jenna and Liz fight in a really long time. So it's nice to see their relationship sort of back in the mix again. Um, the I think the weakest part of this is just the Kenneth Jack storyline because I mean like there's no real remnants like Kenneth loses his job and then 10 minutes later he has it back just because Jack made one mistake like it's just kind of like there's there's so low stakes in it that it's just like meh but um I don't know it's, it there's there's some moments in there but it's just kind of like forgettable and then the the the, the, the Tracy storyline stuff is fun although it's just it's also the same same thing of just like there's no stakes here like yeah the, you don't, you for don't me the trace thing fell into the thing where we've talked about sometimes where it seems like the c-plot could have been put in any episode it was just they suck in this one because it doesn't really have any relevance to anything else which i mean isn't necessarily is not necessarily a bad thing but it's just totally disconnected from everything else in a way that i don't know like it just felt like when they were flipping to that storyline it was just i don't know like there's something else going on, and then moving on, and it was, I don't know, it wasn't as... Yeah. It wasn't, to me, it wasn't as funny as no, the other I parts. I mean, it's only, like, 
ultimately I think two or three scenes that make up yeah, the entire episode. So it's like there's not there mu- there's not much weight there, and that's fine. Like you said, like it's okay to have those to break up the story, but when they're not funny or super memorable, then it's kind of like they could have done something else or expand expanded the other two stories a little bit more. Like especially the Kenneth one because. I mean, that should have been a bigger deal given the fact that that's all he's been since essentially the start of the show. And we know that there's an arc coming up where he do- that does happen where he like has to start from the bottom again. So like when that when he got fired, I was like, oh, this is where they start that story. And then at the very end, everything's reset. And it's like, oh, well, okay. So nothing really mattered at all. So that's great. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess we should mention that the framing of the episode, like it starts with, uh, the trailer for mm-hmm. the Martin Luther King Day movie and the episode kind of mirrors like I guess the plot of one of those movies where there's like I guess there's not romance per se but in terms of like I guess the the, the I don't know each storyline I guess in a way centers between two people's relationship right. whether it's uh, Liz and Jenna or Jack and Kenneth and Tracy well I guess Tracy and <laughs> Tracy and dot com slashers but they're so much of a unit that they're almost like one character anyway so yeah. but anyway it just in general the site it just it, with it mirrors that with like there's the conflict and then at the end they all they have their big moment to get back together and realize they're stronger together and yeah right. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So. yeah. And it's it's I feel like it's leaning into that corny side of all those kinds of movies and it's like it's winking very hard about it so it's like you get it we get you get what we're making fun of kind of thing but um and i guess i guess those the joke would land a little bit harder if i've ever seen any of those i I don't want to say i guess they would be holiday movies but holiday specific movies like uh, i guess love actually is probably arguably the biggest one of like an ensemble cast of just well, and yes, but Valentine's but this Day is specifically was... referencing like the the series of movies that are mm-hmm. like like I've, well, I guess Love Actually is based on a holiday, but like the director whose name I can't think of right now has done like the yeah you know the Christmas Day movie, and the New Year's Eve movie, and the Valentine's Day Valentine's movie. Day. Gary, what's his name? Maybe Gary Sinise. J.K. No, Gary Marshall. Oh. So let's let's do a quick rundown of all those movies. Well, they referenced it. Uh, they referenced the New Year's Eve one. In the first episode, because Jack says you weren't, you're going to go see New Year's Eve because you're waiting for it to not be a bit, you don't want to be part of the box office draw kind of thing. So they apparently do not like that kind of movie, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Oops. I don't know what he was an actor in. Stop it. Mother's Day, New Year's Eve, Valentine's Day. Oh, is that it? Wow. I guess I, he's also, of course, the director of um, Pretty Woman and, mm. oh, I guess he would, uh, was he a writer on League of Their Own? Hold on. He has something to do with League of Their Own. Maybe he was just in it or something. I don't know. I guess not. But anyway. What does so. he look like? Is that Penny Mar? He's Penny Marshall's dad, isn't he, or brother? Uh, something. Aren't they related? They're oh, he did the Princess Diaries and Runaway Bride. Okay, I guess Pretty Woman is the Beaches is another, I guess, quote unquote classic type movie. I he's thought it was one more those, than that. He's but, one of those character actors I've seen pop up every now and again. He's had a very distinctive voice. Um, yeah, Penny Marshall's his sister. So it's not Christmas, it's just Mother's Day, New Year's Eve, Valentine's Day. For some reason, I thought it was more than that, but I guess not. Also did the uh, the uh, Lindsay Lohan, Jane Fonda movie, Georgia Rule. 
That was supposed to remember that that was supposed to be her big comeback. Lindsay nope. Lohan's not Jane Fonda's. Nope. Nope to both of those things, actually. What did I see him in that I just I when I see his face I always think of it. I always reference it. I can't think of what it is. Like there's like cause he just has a very like uh stereotypical voice that it's like, oh of course it's him, but I cannot think of what it is. Oh, that's what it is. He was the he was Penny Marshall's which is weird because they're siblings. But in Hocus Pocus, uh, did you have you ever seen Hocus Pocus? Yes. Alright, he's the devil. Oh. That the Sanderson sisters like assume that he's the actual devil because he's dressed as the devil. That's who he is. I well, actually I've seen Hocus Pocus probably a bunch of times, but it's also been a really, really long yeah. time. But it was one of those movies that was always on the Disney Channel. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up, so mm-hmm. but it, but it's been probably at least twenty years, if not even way more than well, I don't say way more, but if not more than that. So there was a League of Their Own show, apparently. All right, yeah, that's where I recognize him from. Because he, the Sanderson sisters, that's his voice. It's that very like uh, Penny Marshall's got the exact same voice too. Um, I didn't know you were gonna be here. I would have, but yeah. Anyway, uh. Wow, uh, any other... I assume we'll talk about those movies a little bit more as after we have the cold open, but uh, anything else before we hop in? Let's hop in. All right, so the cold open is going to be the setup. It's going to start with the fictional trailer for Martin Luther King Day as well as setting up Jenna's storyline, and then we'll get Jack's uh, and Guy by proxy Kenneth's storyline. From the director of Valentine's Day and New Year's Eve... What? Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day? Yeah, neither of us have dates. Too bad we're just platonic friends. I have a right to love you! In the words of Martin Luther King, I just gotta go for it. You're a white supremacist? You guys can just do the fun stuff. All I want is one extraordinary moment. Sounds like you have a dream. Sometime you're gonna get what you put out. It's Martin Luther King Day. So, I need you to promote that on TGS. No, I'm not promoting that garbage on the show. <laughs> Liz, but this isn't a request. This is an order. I've already spoken to Jack about it. Wow. Well, now I'm going to speak to Jack about it. The rest of you keep working. Why did they all run out? I don't know. They must have really been a lot hard at work. That's what it was. They all ran to their offices to, to work, brainstorm to work really hard. Mm-hmm. That that must be it. Uh, yeah. So I mean, we we is Modern Love the same idea? Like like a lot of those movies, like Love Actually, like all those ensemble. Like I guess they're sort of also. I won't say homages, but sort of cribbing off the same idea. What's a Woody Allen movie that the, the Aziz Ansari show? Uh, sort uh, of like uh, Life of New York uh, or something yeah. like that. Uh, oh, hold on. Oh, what's it called? But it's that, that mm-hmm. running idea of just no stories necessarily all connect. Some might connect and like one might walk through another story, but there's, there's no strings attached kind of idea of just you're seeing the life of this city or this subject matter just sort of um, flowing kind of thing. 
Uh, I, I, re- I really like it when they did it in the, um, I can't even think of the name of the Z's on Sorry show. Master uh, of None. Thank you. Uh, I like that episode. I thought that was a super solid episode. And, and I've seen I've seen the premise yeah. done multiple times before. Like Family Guy have done the same. Uh, Family Guy really kind of did the same exact thing as Thirty Rock here did of just making like a completely phony, uh, fa- fake trailer, and all the stories are just sort of happening. If they bleed into one another, so be it. But they don't have any hinging on the ba- the main plot or anything like that. That was fun. It's a fun little storytelling narrative, I guess. Okay, so I I thought, but I want to make sure. So they're both called New York. I love you. That that the the Master of None episode and the Woody Allen. The Woody Allen. Movie. Okay. Yeah. 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 I think it's a fun. Story well, wait a second. 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 Is it no. not a Woody Allen movie? I thought it was. Have I been saying that wrong? I mean, no. Time? So no. So Woody Allen definitely did. Okay. So Woody Allen. No, that was definitely a Woody Allen concept. But apparently. Um, there is, I mean, there there was a 2008 film called New York, I Love You mm. that was directed. It was, I mean, it was the same thing where it was all these different stars and it was different scenes. Um, that would, but it was directed by like ten different people. It looks like I guess mm. a different director for every scene, um, which is I guess what it's most directly referencing. But it's, I mean, there's obviously a Woody Allen influence because that mirrors a lot of. Is, is it Manhattan? Is Manhattan the Woody Allen movie? I mean, Manhattan is a Woody Allen movie. It might be that movie. Anyway. Um, sorry, you said modern love. So no, that is that's more direct. It's an yeah, it, it's it's an anthology series. Also, it's based on true stories. There, there's a there's a long running column in the New York Times, um, called Modern Love, where every week someone like just writes a writes an essay about something relating to that. So they were all adapted from um, those. I mean, I guess like as a framing device it's like you have all these self-contained stories of people so it's it's i guess it's thematically similar but it's but they're all yeah they're all um they're all adapted from i guess real 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 stories essays so yeah okay uh but yeah i think we or at least i already mentioned it but um i've never seen any of the those ensemble movies like that like i know love actually is arguably probably the most popular or at least it it sort of maybe reinvigorated that genre of ensemble casts and storytelling device. But I, I mean, when it first came out, I was a jaded, I guess, late teens, early 20s. So I was like, this is silly. I don't like any of this. Um, was it end of mid two, early 2000? No, it was 2003. 2003. Yeah, so it was post 9-11. So yeah, I was definitely like right out of high school. I was not I was not in the mood for a Love Actually kind of film. And I still haven't seen it or anything like that, but... I haven't seen it in a really long time, but I did like it. I think it's just because since it's since it's um, so heavily tied to Christmas, mm-hmm. that's why I think it's enduring. Because well, obviously a film called New Year's Eve or Mother's Day is tied to holiday, but like I don't know, like I feel like movies around Christmas are like enduring in a different in a stronger way. I guess the same way like we play, you know, people play holiday music every year. So some people do. Lots of lots of people <laughs> are anyway, but, yeah. the, but you know what I mean. So it's like every every year the holidays like come around, just one of those right. movies that gets played. So yeah. that's kind. Of, I think that's kind of why it stuck around. Well, I mean, because people liked it originally, you know, mm-hmm. it gets replayed right. often every yeah. year, so it sticks in the mind. I guess the zeitgeist. Yeah, all that stuff. yeah. I guess yeah. That is probably the most like popular modern like that kind of. I mean, what's Film. I mean, Mamma Mia is comparable. Like, it has an ensemble cast, but it's mostly it's just a musical. So it's yeah. Well, really... I mean, also that's I mean that's 
it's a different genre altogether. Yeah. I mean, to me, yeah, it's a different genre. Like, I mean, while Love Actually isn't part of, like, that series of movies, I mean, it's the same sort of thing where it's, like, you have all these famous people in, like, six or seven or eight different plots or Mm -hmm. however many there are, so. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe one day, but probably not. Probably not. Probably not. But how how great for Jenna that she has yeah. now reached that caliber where for just off one season, probably I, I, I not even a full season of America's yeah. Kids Got Singing, now she's been vaulted into, I mean, look, she was, who, who was in that movie? Andy Liam Samberg? Neeson, Andy oh, Samberg. Yeah. There's a full rundown of everything. Emma Stone. Yeah. I didn't even I mean, realize Emma was, Stone was like active oh, back yeah. in Well, 20- I mean, she broke out yeah. in Superbad, so that was 2006. Oh, God. Has it really been that long? It's 2006 or 2008. It's one of those years. It might be 2008. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, so she was she was still not quite award-winning or a nominee level, but she was reaching that part. I mean, famous enough to start Martin Luther King Day. Yeah. So we got Emma Stone, Andy Samberg, Nick Cannon. Um, well, Andy and Nick are probably getting that NBC Universal because they were doing... Well, Andrew Samberg, oh, as sorry. he's credited Andy, in... Yeah. But then using using footage from their other movies who are not actually didn't record anything for Thirty Rock, but Liam Neeson, Amy Adams, Kirsten Bell, Hugh Grant, John Krasinski, and Vince Vaughn. We also have Matthew McConaughey, R two D two from Star Wars, a U.S. former a former U.S. soldier Lindy England convicted for her role in the Abu Abu Ghraib torture scandal. Ooh. Inflatable Tube Man, that flight attendant that went crazy, uh, Steven Slater. We talked about Don't him, think... right? Who? Steven Slater, the guy that went crazy on the jet blue flight. Yes, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Uh, and in 1995, Quebec Nordiques, uh, Haikatine, I probably pronounced that wrong because it's French. Uh, Mankind, who shows up in this 30 Rock episode, the Plinko Board from Price Say, don't forget Rock. the Plinko Board. No, we can never That's, that's the biggest star that's of all. That's the main billing. Uh how have they been doing prices right? Like, they're, is it an audience? No. So, I, oh, okay. like, watched one episode randomly over the holidays when it was just on. So, uh, there's no audience. When people come on down, it's just, like, one person who, like, <laughs> goes directly to their, like, podium to bid. With, and they're all, like, apart. Okay. And then when they get on stage, if they win and they get on stage, they either have to, like, stand far enough or if they're, like, and they wear masks okay. if they're, like, close to each other. So there's so, no audience at all? No, there's no audience. Oh, that's, that's... I mean, it seems awful. like they're making it work. I mean, yeah. I, you do lose the app. Like, it, you definitely, like, notice the lack of atmosphere because usually, like, there's people, like, shouting out prices right, and stuff, which right. that was definitely, like, obviously missing. But And, I mean, but the people are still maintaining high energy and, like, doing the thing where they, like, yell and be like, I want to say hi to every person I've ever met, all that stuff. Like, they're doing a good job considering there's nothing to feed off of. So, I mean, honestly, like, apart from the the lack of, like, noise, it didn't seem that different from the normal prices. You go prices, right? Way to stick it to the coronavirus. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, I'll be really brief on this, but because of the pandemic, like, game shows have really, I mean, now, like, ABC, I think, I feel like has multiple game show nights now like they like they're doing like wheel of fortune in like a regular version that's cbs though right uh no it's abc like well so like normal day to day daytime wheel of fortune is syndicated but the nighttime like abc is making like a weekly once a week celebrity wheel of fortune show that is part of like the abc anyway i'm saying but like abc especially but like there's been a lot of like just i guess because game shows are relatively cheap right you can 
it's, I guess, easier to follow protocols because you don't have actors who have to act together in scenes. Mm-hmm. So you can have people, like, play the games and, like, be right. distance or whatever. So, so, I mean, now's actually a good time for, like, because there's, like, what... Name that tune, the chase. Mm-hmm. Jenna like, Maroney, Jenna, Jane Krakowski, who hosts. Own. Yes, who hosts. Name, name that tune. That which, I mean, it's actually pretty fun. But anyway, like I don't know, like obviously, like they've had a hard time putting like script shows in production, or they're more right. expensive, or there's like blah blah blah. So, but but also, name that tune was clearly recorded well before the pandemic. No, it wasn't actually. It was. They have a live audience. Yes, though. but it was done. It was recorded in Australia with. <sighs> American expats who live in Australia as all the contestants. So wow, it's yeah. So that's why the audience can. There is an audience, and they can sit like a normal studio audience because it wasn't done here. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Flop yeah. twist. Because Australia did much heavier lockdowns mm-hmm. and were able to they get did a really control. good job. Well, they did better than us. They did better than a lot of people. Early on, I think early on they had some struggle, but they were much stricter at some point about yeah. just like locking down until they were... And it also helped that like so. 75% of that country is mostly barren wasteland in the middle. I mean, the U.S. has a lot of had, empty rural areas. Uh, I do not speak for my co-host. I do not want to offend our flyover state. Oh, I, I mean, Midwest. I mean, I'm just saying there's plenty not, of open land. I know, in the US, but I mean, like, like Australia. I mean, it, but it's like a joke for Australia that no, a lot true. of the They're cities concentrated are on the, fringe, on the coasts, not yes. actually in the middle of the world, because that's where all the death comes from. But I mean, the murderous yes, animals. Cities like Sydney and Melbourne, I mean, are dense. They're dense, big cities. So no, I mean, I have the same issues as I any know. other cities. You ruined my anyway, bit. Thanks. What bit? Um, my my dunking funny. on Australia bit. Anyway. Lemon, I'm sorry, but Jenna has become a huge star for this network. She's bigger than Malik Pancholi on Whitney. Look, I put up with a lot from Jenna. A couple months ago, she cut off my ponytail because she was jealous of the attention that I was getting on my own birthday. This is new. Going to you behind my back? You can't reward her for that. My hands are tied. But, and I will never say this again, you have a power that I don't. Besides the greatest power of all, the ability to gestate life? Of course, Lemon. That's why the president is always a new mom. I was referring to your unique leverage with Jenna, your friendship. No, I like to keep boss Liz and friend Liz separate because boss Liz is all paperwork, paperwork, but friend Liz is all, my feet hurt, I'm staying in tonight. Lemon, I've decided to eliminate the NBC Page program. What? I was in Washington yesterday reviewing satellite images of Avery in North Korea. For what it's worth, CIA analysts have confirmed that she is indeed keeping it tight. I don't know how this is about my problem, but I trust you. I'm getting there. While I was in Washington, I learned the House shut down its page program with texting and email, a multi-million dollar system of pleasure slaves that no longer need it. Hang on, we need the pages, especially Kenneth. He, uh, well, he, uh, he always scratches that weird part of my back that I can't reach. Unless... Oh! That's the business! Now who's in charge, winter dryness? Oh. I'm hoping that a bold, cost-cutting move like this will impress Hank Hooper. But I've only worked for Hank for a year. He's still difficult to read, much like that memoir Reagan wrote uh, the week before he died. It's, uh, scattered. Well, now I think we're just talking about your thing. You tricked me! You know how to read, Jenna. Use your power. Oh, damn it! I need some tape. So, 
This is the Terrell Hurston fan fact of the episode. She had, gets Kenneth to scratch her back. Well, maybe he volunteers. Well, he probably does, but that still seems like borderline sexual harassment to me. Like requiring someone to scratch your back. Could you imagine if you, like, what would you, <laughs> you go to <laughs> scratch my back. Yikes. Liz Lemon. Yikes. Um, but no, the, there's a there's a fun visual joke in there when she's talking about how Jenna got upset about Liz getting too much attention on her own birthday where they cut mm-hmm. away and it's just like a snapshot of four different pictures of like them celebrating with a cake and Jenna's in the background and then the next picture is her getting closer with a pair of scissors then the third picture is her cutting Liz's hair and then the fourth picture is Frank taping Liz's hair back to her head while she's like sobbing over a piece of cake. Uh, it's a fun little visual check. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a fun little reference to Malik Panjoli, who plays Jonathan on 30 Rock, who'd, who I think we mentioned in a previous episode had, had uh, stepped away to do the new Whitney show, which would only last a season. He'll, he'll come back. But um, yeah, so that's, that is sort of explains his presence in a fun little, or di- not not as present it, it explains his disappearance yeah. in a fun little way like i'm trying to tell how much of, like a dig it is because i don't think it's a dig because i mean like i think it's just a fun inside joke yeah i don't think it's i don't think it's necessarily a, a backhanded thing or anything yeah sorry i guess i was i meant to say i was trying to figure out if it was some kind of a dig which i guess not like because i guess they, they would have filmed this i don't know if they did would they have known yet that winnie was kind of basically a flop probably not yeah. by this time so. i don't know because i mean because if you read it that way like they know it's not doing well and they say that like he's the biggest yeah. thing because he's on whitney like then it seems a little backhand so that's why i was just trying to but i think also the audience may not actually know his 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 real name only know his character name so them saying right. that is just kind of like a joke that probably went under i mean it definitely went over my head until we started doing this and was like paying more careful attention to actors names so uh, well, maybe a little column A, column B. Who knows? Malik Pancholi. Well, yeah, he knows, definitely. Uh, meanwhile, in Tracy's dressing room, he gets some bad news about his birthday. Hey, Trey, we just picked up your birthday party invitations from the printer. Wait, what is this? Give the charity please no presents? Yeah, that's what you told me to put on the card. No, dot com. I said give to charity please no presents. Well, I'm sorry, but you don't really need presents. You already have everything. I mean, you just bought Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's bones, and he's not even dead. Wow. Maybe I do have everything. But what does that say about me? I need time alone, guys, to think about mortality uh, so uh, I like that joke that uh, that reveals why everyone forgot or why Tracy's not receiving any presents is basically just like a matter of semantics like the way he said versus how it was interpreted was just like lost between two people yeah, I feel like a little bit like the Bojack running joke where it's like every time Mr. Peanut Butter gets a sign, like yeah. they print like literally everything he says, even the part that's just giving instructions. Right. Like, no, that's yeah. not supposed to be on the sign. Happy birthday, Di- uh, Diane. But don't put that part and make sure it's all in bold and that will all be on yeah. the sign. <laughs> it's so fun. But it, I mean, I think I think one of the longer running like jokes of that was there's a Simpsons joke of uh, Phil Hartman oh. played a character named Lionel Hutz and uh he's a horrible lawyer but he's also super cheap so that's kind of the guy they keep going to 
But his business card originally says, works on contingency, no money down. And then they show it to him, and he's like, oh, no, they got this all wrong. So he's changed it. He, like, writes on it and goes, works on contingency? No, comma, money down. Like, it's kind of like the exact same joke uh, that they're doing here in 30 Rocks. So, and I guess, yeah, BoJack sort of also. That's not quite the same thing, thing, but that's it just what it made me think of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, man, that show's just full of, like, running jokes and like background jokes that you can easily miss like what all the like all the supermarkets all the stores have just like witty names and just like yeah so much signs chirons banners like everything so much work and and put into just stuff you can miss like you wouldn't even think to check It's, it's wild so uh, Liz see, Liz finds Jenna with leeches literally attached to her face and feels like she's on a level of celebrity that is on the path of uh, destruction. So she's, she's trying to do her best to help bring her back down to earth. And Jenna suggests that they could... Uh, suggests? That's not a word. Almost. <laughs> so Jenna suggests that they go to Outback Steakhouse and sort of uh, rekindle their friendship because it's been a little while. (laughs) Should we get another one? If you eat four, you get a t-shirt. So one more, and that's two t-shirts. Oh no, they're here. And you don't want the paparazzi taking pictures of you? Not when I'm just trying to have lunch with my best friend like a normal person. It's like I'm in a cage. And not the fun kind where you dance while USC football recruits throw hot coins at you. I'm sorry, do you want to sneak out the back? They'd be expecting that. Would you like a chance to be famous, Liz? Naturally, always. I'm from Tampa, Florida. Leech abuser! Nice try, peanut bitches. But I saw you hiding in the crowd. You just threw paint on a nobody who can't even sing. Make sure you get the outback side in the shot or I don't get paid. Taxi! So in the scene to set up them going to Outback, we learn the reason that Jenna suggests Outback is because not because it's Liz's favorite place to go, but it's because she has like a promotional deal and she has to get a photo shot or a photo shoot in. Just that's that's like peak evil Jenna, I think. I and mean, we've seen her do worse things, but like for this episode, it's been yeah. it's been long enough that we've that seeing her go that evil and manipulative is just like man, I forgot how bad of a person she really can be. Yeah. Also, Outback in general doing product placement on a Thirty Rock just like <laughs> seems funny to me because I I mean I don't know I guess it's a network show, but like the. Yeah. the well, I guess Outback isn't necessarily bad. It's just not a... Uh, I don't know. Like, it's not what you think of as... Uh, I mean, it's definitely on brand for Liz Lemon. That yeah. It would be one of her favorite restaurants, despite living in Just New as York. a 30 Rock... Like, Barnes & Noble and Apple, like, I... I don't know, like, that fits. But, like, Outback's <laughs> just, like, a little bit, like, I don't know, sillier. But... Yeah. It's funny. But now we know why. It's because Jenna's... That's right. Really get promotional deals from places like Outback, so... So the scene is like a very like typical whatever like Liz is like you know being built up like oh she's gonna be famous like nope oh, it's yeah. just Jenna's narcissism sure. coming to its head again but her yeah her her British accent while she's saying she's from Tampa Florida is <laughs> yeah but it's very convincing yeah, we haven't heard her had to portray Jenna in a really long time it was the last time was when 
uh, Dennis Duffy admitted was admitting to everyone that he was a sex addict, and she had to she had to fake her voice. Um, what was the reason? What was Jenna said? The reason she has a English you know, accent? She was she lost her virginity to someone or something? To, oh, to the My Fair Lady soundtrack. So that's right. why she has an English inflection to her voice. So I guess Liz just, just never dropped it naturally, always I'm from tap the floor. <laughs> Oh, silly. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the the page program is informed that there's good news and bad news. The bad news is the page program has been disbanded, and the good news is for someone else. So Kenneth has lost his job, and back in Jenna's dressing room, Liz confronts Jenna over her incredibly psychopathic actions. You are insane! You knew that PETA guy was there. Look, I'm sorry. I couldn't be photographed with pain on me. I'd look like you do right now. That is psychopath behavior. How did I ever even become friends with someone like you? If I remember correctly, Elizabeth, we became friends because I felt bad for you, standing alone at that party like a loser. Yeah, because I really wanted to talk to the girl who was wrestling in a kiddie pool full of lube. Well, what were you even doing at that bachelor party? Derek thought I was a guy, and I didn't want to ruin what was happening between us. God, I wish my first roommate had died of old age, and you wouldn't have moved in, and I wouldn't have wasted 15 years of my life trying to make you feel better about yourself. Because guess what? The back of your neck does look weird. Why would you say that? You know I can't see it! Oh, forget it. I don't need you, Liz. I have real friends now. Celebrity friends who understand what I'm going through. You see? Charlie from Charlie Bit My Finger and Nob Kardashian just texted me. They're my new besties. Well, I don't need you either. I've got a new bestie, too, and her name is something cool, like Sam, and she does web design, maybe, and I haven't met her yet. Look out, New York. Liz Lemon is 41, covered in paint, and looking for a new best friend. Oh, we, there's, there's a good joke when Liz, before they even go to Outback, where we just see Jonah's dressing room, and she's pouring just straight vodka into her, um, what are those things called? Not air purifier, right? But it's like people use them for their... Oh, um, diffuser? Is it a diffuser? Or did you dehumidify? Or like a... Uh, uh, not, a not a dehumidifier. A, um, oh my God, what do you call it? Thing? I don't know. Va- vaporizer? Is it an air vaporizer? I guess so. Humidifier? Maybe. Anyway, I don't know. I didn't see what it was, so I don't... But it's just one of the... A lot of people that use their voice, like singers and things, use it to just make sure the air is clean. I guess it's an air purifier. I'm not sure. But she's just, instead of pouring water into it to diffuse it, she's pouring just straight vodka into it to, I guess that helps her in some way. Yeah. Well, she, she has she, she has a different definition of what purified air <laughs> means for her. I guess so. But you would think after a while, though, you probably, I don't know, if you're breathing it in that much, you probably are building more of a tolerance to it, right? You think about it? Yes. So does that mean she, she I guess she'd have to drink more eventually to get to well I mean, we know she effects. starts early so yeah that's true uh, meanwhile uh, Kenneth the page well sorry Kenneth is uh, in Jack's office Kenneth the X page <laughs> Kenneth yeah. it sounds like a bad X man um, is in Jack's office trying to uh, negotiate with Jack to get his job and the other pages their jobs back Kenneth you're a hard worker and I will find you something else here at the company not interested sir i don't want to work for an organization that would 
throw away a tradition like the page program. Think of all the famous people who started as pages. Steve Allen, Regis Philbin, Ted Bundy, Richard Ramirez, John Wayne Gacy. Kenneth, I'm sorry, but progress means eliminating useless institutions. Well, Mr. Donaghy, there's one thing you haven't thought of. Who will give the NBC tours? No machine can replace... We're calling it Not Kenneth. It's hard not to take that personally, sir. We've inputted the entire page handbook into Not Kenneth's database. It knows everything you know and more. Why, Jack? Why? And Why, Jack? Why is a 2002 episode of Will and Grace in which Jack, Sean Hayes, chooses between two YMCAs featuring guest Daniel Day-Lewis Day Day as Gabe Bench Press Guy. Is that a real episode of Will and Grace? No, it's not. Oh, Daniel Day-Lewis would never appear. Well, I thought that sounded, yes, I did think that sounded a little suspect, <laughs> but you never know because, I mean, you had Emma Stone uh, and Liam Neeson, well, I guess Liam Neeson through other footage, but <laughs> high-caliber guest stars you wouldn't normally necessarily expect to be on 30 Rock. No, unfortunately, that's not a real episode, but did you recognize the voice of the robot? Was it Tina Fey? No, it was the original star of Thirty Rock before she was replaced. Rachel Dratch. Rachel Dratch, yeah. Also, like, I, I'm probably reaching and making a connection here, but the the fact that it's called North, North not yeah, that it's not yeah, that it's called not Kenneth, but the initials are also NK. Is that like a joke about like, or not a joke, but like a reference to North Korea or something like? I don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm just connecting this apropos of nothing aside from the fact that maybe because I mean it shows the Jack because I mean he talks at the beginning about being obsessed with looking at North Korean satellite images of Avery. So I mean, it seems like it's definitely reinforcing that Jack yeah. is thinking about North Korea. So yeah, I, I, it's probably more coincidental than anything. But I just maybe I, I don't just know. was noticing that I was like it's also called NK, not Kenneth I mean even if but like even if they didn't. Even if it is total coincidence, they didn't mean it. Like it still actually works. Like it's because it still reinforces, you know. Like because I mean, you know, he literally talked about this Deep episode. Down so. that he has yeah, that he's yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Jack unfortunately has what he calls a mistake happen when he inadvertently sends Hank Cooper's celebratory first year uh, anniversary luncheon luncheon extravaganza featuring the philly fanatic goes to the tgs floor instead of the 60th floor hank cooper's a little distressed uh, and after jack reassures everyone that it was not intended for them because they have not had a great year uh, in jenna's dressing room she's met with uh, her uh, her new besties in nob kardashian charlie bit my finger and mankind I called the paps earlier. They sent Lester. No one ever uses him. Ugh, I'd like to bite his finger. <laughs> Charlie. <laughs> Sweetie, you look amazing. Mwah, mwah. Nob Kardashian, Charlie bit my finger. This is mankind. And this is Mr. Socko. Oh, I know Mr. Socko. <laughs> so is that the actual Charlie bit my finger kid? No. Uh, I mean, I don't know much about the Charlie with My Finger Kid outside of the bit, but uh, I think it's just an actor. And I'm just, I mean, is Nob Kardashian must have been like a New Jersey, like one of the Kardashians just slept over in New Jersey, had a kid. Yeah. Because like, that strong accent is like, yeah. none of the other Kardashians talk like that. I don't think, no, they're California. Yeah. I think not New Yorkers, so yeah. But yeah. it's okay. Why not? That could be the 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 
low rent. I mean, you know, Charlie Got My Finger isn't exactly uh, well, a no, celebrity, like, so you know, it's like it's like the third cousin who yeah. whatever hey, it works. gets a stipend, but yeah. doesn't get to be featured on the reality. Appeared on, appeared on one episode of season two when she was in town. Yeah, well, yeah, while they were visiting. Um, and then the last one there is Mankind, uh, who in real life is known as his real name is Mick Foley, who is a professional wrestler or a retired professional wrestler now. Uh, but at this time, was this 2012, he definitely would have retired by now. So he was no longer wrestling, but he had been like an on-air talent and... Sock puppeteer. Working. Well, Mr. Sokka was part of his gimmick. Oh, really? It was really? literally a thing that he started. Um, if, if, um, if there was like one wrestler, I would say fringe people or even people that have no interest in reading about, it would be Mick Foley. Like his career is insane in a good way just because like he's he is genuinely one of the nicest most pleasant people most sincere people and most humble wrestlers i think of i would say the 70s 80s and 90s era of wrestlers because a lot of those people are very uh good word to say would be like stalwart where they were like men like they're <laughs> yes literally yesterday there was a an article or an interview came out about a, a wrestler who just retired last year named the undertaker yes I, i've heard of yeah, him okay so he had like a 30 plus year legacy but he had released an interview where he was talking about back in my day locker rooms weren't full of people playing video games and getting massages it was oh, people walking in with have, making sure they had knives in their boots and like it was it was just like his idea of what a locker room now and what it was when it was 30 years ago and it was harder somehow is like it's it's just him being out of touch and saying like men aren't men the way they used to be which is just ever since these millennials ruined the society and obviously there's a lot of clapbacks at him it's like yeah you know I'd rather be safe in my locker room rather than being worried about it because I mean there were literally people being murdered inside of locker rooms over money disputes because what? well because I mean it it was a there were no I mean there still aren't unions but if you were a bigger name you were to get a bigger cut of the paycheck when you wrestle so if you're a lower card guy you're not going to get as much money and if you're a higher guy, you're going to get a lot more money. Okay, but why are people getting murdered in the dressing room? Because the, the, jealousy, the, and because like I mean, there's this, there's so many there's so many stories you can read. read about Bruiser Brody. He was murdered. Uh, tons tons of Mexican wrestlers have been murdered over over money. Uh, I mean, a lot of Japanese wrestlers too. Like it's it's a ridiculous industry. Uh, on the, and also there's a, there's a, a there's a series called Dark Side of the Ring that's been running for. It'll be three seasons coming up soon, but it it talks about like the obviously the behind the curtain stuff of the stuff you don't see on TV. Like, uh, if anything, go out of your way to look at the Owen Hart um, episode because uh, I don't know if we've talked about it, but he was a fan- similar to Mick Foley, like a fantastic, humble wrestler, well beloved. No one hated him, but there was an incident at a pay per view where his gimmick was he was the Blue Blazer, and his gimmick was he would uh, come down from the Raptors, but Despite checks, when he did it at the pay-per-view, it snapped halfway down. He smacked his head on the turnbuckle and didn't die instantly. What would die like an hour later? And How did they cover the live broadcast? Well, when he he was when they were doing a promo in the background, so you he you didn't act. No, there's no oh, footage of him actually falling. It wasn't part of the live show. It was supposed to be, but he was already supposed to be in the ring. Oh. Like when they, so there would be like a promo, and then they would cut back, and he'd already be in the ring. But oh. it was more for the live audience to see. So the live audience saw it. Um, but then that sounds terrible. It obviously got a lot of criticism because the show <laughs> went on, 
Um, they a lot of people were saying that it should have stopped and no one wrestled anymore. But like they continued to wrestle for like two more hours of show, while their friend who just died, like, and it was it's it, it's insane. But I would say seek that episode out. But anyway, Mick Foley, um, one of the most humble guys. Uh, but the <laughs> the thing that I teased last week was. Arguably, his most infamous moment came in uh, 1998 at a pay-per-view called King of the Ring. There's a gimmick match they call the Hell in a Cell, which the setup is it's not just a steel cage around the ring. There's also a roof. So you're, you're supposed to be in the cell and you can't escape until you beat your competitor. Well, they decided... We're going to go crazy with this. So the match doesn't even start inside. They start on top of it. And it just gets worse. <laughs> Don't worry. Like, no one dies. No one, like, gets severely injured. or anything. You're not going to see, like, broken bones or anything like that. But this this is, like, completely real, like, scripted but unscripted, like, situation. <laughs> and it also features Undertaker, who we just talked about. Hey. <laughs> This is like the start, so this is like a minute in. He just gets thrown up. Is that not supposed to happen? He was not, well, I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit. Um, it was scripted, but they didn't know exactly how it was going to play out. That wasn't scripted. That was not supposed to happen. Ooh. Oh god. all over the place what yeah um so what we were just reacting to was the king of the king of the ring 1998 hell in a cell match the match starts with undertaker and mcfoley on top wrestling like hitting each other and then undertaker throws mcfoley off the off of the top of the cell and he crashes to the floor through a little clumsy or through a flimsy little table that didn't really have any break to it um he gets stretchered out he was legitimately knocked out but he got stretchered out but he, for the for the showmanship and for the fact that he didn't want to end the match that because the that was not supposed to be the end of the match. The match was supposed to go on for another 15, 20 minutes. He wheeled himself back up, got back into it, climbed back to the top, and then the Undertaker does a choke slam, which this was not scripted either. This was not scripted. He was supposed to just hit the steel on the top and not crash through the roof and into the ring. Like he was just supposed to hit the metal and stop but the metal broke and so he falls literally gets concussed and gets knocked out still gets back into the match like still wills himself again to, con- to continue fighting and it goes on for like another 10 minutes of him half concussed half trying to wrestle as best he can um he eventually does lose um but yeah they're they're both bloodied and which that was that so that 
at the time this would be considered what's called the attitude era of wwf and wwe is where it was like let's just be as outrageous and over the top as we can be kind of thing and so there was a lot of blood and things like that but a lot of that resulted from blading which as you can assume as people just cutting themselves to 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 mask themselves and things like that um what a great Oh, it's show. <laughs> I mean, it's it was a weird time. Um, but anyway, but like for Mick Foley, that was a uh, a star making performance. Like at the, when he went into that match, he was what they call a heel. He was a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Coming out of that, because of what he did, despite how stupid it was for him to keep fighting with multiple concussions and injuries, it was a star making performance, and people actually it was like, "Wow, this guy." will do anything and then it started a storyline of him doing whatever he could to finally win the championship but he kept getting held back and um but yeah i mean but that that level of violence for him was nothing new because he got his start in japan in what they would call death matches where you don't actually fight to the death (laughs) uh but again it's just a show it's just to make you you know incite people um but i mean there would be barbed wire matches of like instead of ropes literally just barbed wire just tables full of barbed wire barbed wire bats flames like fire like borderline watchable it's it's not watchable because the problem is like with those things you can only do so much because everything's a spectacle so at some point you just elevate so much that you can't really startle people anymore so but i mean it's it's a wild industry um anyway so yeah, but I, I would say uh, Mick Foley's got a couple. But it may, going back to, the, to him as a character and as a person, um, he's wrote multiple books, wrote multiple biographies. Uh, I think Have a Nice Day was the first uh, book from a wrestler that was a success. Um, and he's levied that into two or three other biographies. But, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting guy to, to read about. So if you ever have free time, I would say look into it. But, uh, yeah. So there you go. There's some history about Mick Foley. And the Mr. Soccer thing was a real gimmick that he would do. Um, again, it was just like a joke character bit that he would he would just literally have a sock in his pants and he would pull it out and it was Mr. Socko. Like, it was a gimmick, but it was a successful gimmick. And his, his whole thing of just being... Well, his whole original premise when he came in was mankind because he was showing the ugly side of mankind. Pretty on the nose. Like, that's kind of, you know, about the limits that WWF would do in terms of their their ideas and their stories. But anyway, read about Mick Foley. He's an interesting dude. So, any other thoughts? You've really sold me on wrestling I there. Feel like, oh, I wasn't trying to sell you on wrestling. I was trying to sell you on Mick Foley. I, I'm seriously like, go read about him. He's an interesting dude. Anyway, I like wrestling, but... <laughs> I know I'm in the minority. That's not true. Plenty of people like it. No, I know. And it's 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 got its fandom, but it still is just like, it's still super niche because a lot of people still see it as just this like silly, almost like sideshow act. Well, apparently not if there's all sorts of dressing room murderings and people <laughs> crashing through the ceiling, bleeding all over the, not what, that sounds pretty intense to me. Yeah, I know. Well, no, these days I guess it, it's, it's uh, tamer. It's, I mean, there's still, like, obviously spectacle, and there's still, like, they have moments where they have, like, not death matches, but they have what they call hardcore matches, which are things like that, like breaking tables and uh, stuff like that. But it's, it's also, like, a lot of people are a little bit more savvy, and it's not as, um, there's still clicks, but they're not as, like, 
everyone is almost sort of paid across the board for the most part. Like there's no backstabbing going on necessarily. There is if you look deep enough, but well, I guess the thing that got wrestling sort of into the limelight again in the last couple of years was there was a, at the end, well, halfway through last year, there was the speaking out movement of a lot of people that were sexually taken advantage of um, by a lot of wrestlers. So the scummy side has not disappeared and nor, nor will it. But, um, I mean, every they need to every sector of the entertainment industry has exactly yeah scummy yeah scummy parts to it. So um, hopefully, in the next 10, 15, 20 years, they can unionize and everyone cannot work without health care and be taken care of. Considering they literally put their bodies on the line for people. Um, anyway. I could rant about that forever. Uh, but we're back to 30 Rock, and Liz meets the, I guess you would say, the Sex in the City girls, even though it's not them. Ex- I mean, the not Kardashian version of the <laughs> Sex in the City ladies. Uh, the sex, the, the fornication in the town ladies. <laughs> Honey, I don't think that was Madame Bovary. I think it was Madame Ovary. Oh, 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 oh no, you went there. Man, do my feet hurt in heels sometimes, and other things that women talk about. Can we help you? Oh, sorry, I'm just trying to make a new best friend. Oh, oh sweetie! Yeah, it's really hard. I mean, how did you guys meet each other? We were at karaoke, and we all picked the same song. <laughs> and then when the song came up, we all went on stage, and everybody was like, what? And then we were like, what you want? But I get your point. I need to go somewhere where someone like me would be hanging out. But where does Liz Lemon go when she's out on the town? To the Barnes and Noble bathroom. Occupied. God. I know it is by my new best friend. Yikes. I feel like this is very unbrand for Liz Lemon because, like, I remember when I was a kid, like, Barnes and Noble was the only place that ever had a clean bathroom, like a clean public bathroom. So it totally makes sense to me that that's the place that she would go. Well, not hang out, but if there were any bathroom in public to whatever, it would be that one. Yeah. Man, that was like one of those wake up calls for me of like, not to say like where we live is a small town, but comparatively, definitely to like a New York City or San Francisco area of how... Like, they literally have to put lock pads on their bathrooms to keep out homeless people and things like that, to keep people from squatting inside their establishments. Because I remember when I moved out to San Francisco, uh, we were just walking around. Someone had to use the restroom, and, like, they couldn't without having to purchase something. Yeah. And it was just like, That's pretty much, oh, yeah. that's horrible. Um, so it's just like, yeah, I never really, like, we don't get that around here. Um, I mean, I know there's, like, I do remember growing up, like, certain gas stations, like, there's like roadside gas stations is like the last one before 30 miles like they might have like an outside bathroom and then you have to get a key to get in i don't think that's necessarily i mean i guess it's the same thing but it's not as uh scummy to me i guess because it's more just like well no i guess it's that's the exact same thing you're making sure people don't squat in there but yeah gross public restrooms are gross except for barnes and noble i guess so Yikes. At least she didn't go in there. That would have been worse. Like her yeah. being inside and then waiting outside of the stall would have been a lot worse. That would be, yeah, that would be awkward. It's not much better. Well, it's not that. like a, a sing, it was just a single stall because, you know, she knocks and she says occupied. So oh, that's, yeah. that's how I took it, I guess. But that seems but, 
Barnes and Noble. Yeah, well, I mean, to, well, I mean, I don't know. I've never been to a Barnes and Noble in Manhattan, so they may only be Maybe. single. I don't really know. Hmm. That doesn't really matter. But no. <laughs> anyway, Liz went to the perfect place to find someone just like her. Well, Outback, Outback probably had a nice clean bathroom. I don't know, it's very there. touristy. But so. she's already been there that day, too. Yeah, so. that's true. <laughs> oh, I guess I assumed it was the Outback in Times Square. I guess it wasn't necessarily. But if it, if it was, that's like a very touristy place. So I don't know that's how clean true. it would be. Oh, that's true. Um, but as, as that's, so that's the second instance of where a New Yorker like Liz, like her favorite spots are an Outback, a chain, and Barnes & Noble also a chain. Where you would think like she would want to support... That's true. I feel like, yeah, that's true. Liz Lemon would probably be a strand person mm-hmm. or i mean well i mean or other independent books are like strands the most famous one in new york though but yeah, yeah. but they weren't getting the sixth season without that paid promotional consideration that's true so. i mean the strand is not doing any um uh <laughs> product really, placement no. so not many times at least not on at least not on network television uh meanwhile back at 30 rock uh hank cooper learns of jack's little mistake or as he say a whoopsie do Jetta Maroney sure is a hootin'. I didn't care for Mr. Socko. In my day, socks just kept their mouths shut. Uh, well, Hank, you'll be interested to know I'm getting to the bottom of our little gift mix-up earlier. Really, Jack? There's a problem with the computer system where it confuses six and sixty? I don't like your tone, Masatana. Oh, it's okay. You messed up, buddy. Lots, don't touch me. Hang on, Jack. Are these two very ill children saying you messed up the delivery? That's unacceptable. Hey, we all make mistakes. Like farting when you're talking to three people. No, a mistake is something a man does. Like going to war without a reason or executing a simpleton. What Jack did is a whoopsie-daisy like a baby or a woman would do. No, no, Hank. It, it wasn't me. It was the machines. Tell them it wasn't my fault. My fault. A short-lived NBC game show in which homeless people <laughs> won money by confessing to crimes they didn't commit. Damn you. Damn you. A beaver goes to college in this 1987 anime. <laughs> so, uh, two thoughts. First, we get some more uh, background character development on Hank Cooper with the guy's comments about uh, 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 go to getting into war without a reason and and murdering an innocent bystander or whatever he said. So we, we learned a lot more about his uh, time in Vietnam there. Mm-hmm. Um and also the the uh, the uh, short-lived game show there, my fault, is like very dark in a way that's like for Thirty Rock even is like like that could be like a Black Mirror episode mm-hmm. where homeless people it's a reality show where homeless people confess to crimes or whatever for money or something whatever the description was that's like very dystopian for usually like Thirty Rock obviously does like crazy reality show yeah. crazy but that's like usually I don't know usually they're not that dark I mean that's horrible yeah. Yeah. But also, like, it kind of... This is the first episode that's painted Hank Cooper as kind of a dick. Yeah. Like, he makes fun of Frank and um, Lutz right to their face. He basically calls them lessers just because, like, they're two terminally ill or, like, sickly-looking kids. Like, he's like... I don't know. Just the way he talks to them is, like, they're lesser people. Like, yeah, that's true. Because, like, that's true. That normally, he's very, like, upbeat and mm-hmm. everything he ever says. And you're right. He's... For most sets. Like, in, in the first one, he says, if you... If you, if you did something wrong like that's unacceptable like that i yeah. like that was like an un hank coopery yeah. at least as he's been portrayed so far we really like say also that. kind of a sexist comment too when he says the mistake is um something a man does uh what we what you did is a whoopsie a do whoopsie, whoopsie daisy 
that's more for women folk and it's just like okay well, well but also i feel like in character for him no it's in character that doesn't mean that it's like acceptable or yeah. okay like he's still kind of a piece of garbage thinking that well way. i don't you don't get to be the ceo of a major telecoms company without being that's very garbage-y. true uh, so while jenna realizes that she cannot exist without liz and her constant negative attitude because everyone is a me 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 attitude with her new besties uh, Liz is learning she needs Jenna for the same exact opposite reason. Ugh, I hate it when they put the movie poster on the cover of the book that the movie is based on. Let me imagine what Peter Malark looks like and how his arms smell of bread. Amy, this is great. We are going to be best friends. Where should we get dinner? I don't trust sushi. Mexican gives me gas, and I already had a bloomin' onion today. Me too. Also, Ethiopian is out because I don't want to see a man with a beard eat with his hands. And nothing family style. Ugh, why is family a selling point? Look at the state of the American family. Not something we'll ever have to worry about at our age. I saw a headline about those amoebas that eat your brain, but I didn't read the article. Well, you didn't have time. Our lives are half over. Our mothers lied to us. And you can't run as a sidewalk. Oh my god, I am starving. We have been wandering around for 10 minutes? Oh, brother. Hanging out with me is awful. Amy, we can't both be the negative, judgmental one. So what? I'm just supposed to sit around and listen to you complain? No, you're supposed to be so vacant and self-absorbed that you just let me vent without piling on. I need Jenna. I need Steffi. I would have loved to see the conversation that Liz and Amy had that as she come out of the bathroom to lead right. into that conversation because that's not a not awkward conversation to have. There's going to be some weirdness and stuff. Why are you standing outside the bathroom? Why are you calling me your new best friend? But she seems like she's taken, so they were into it. Well, you know, they probably had some... Maybe she asked about how it was and they quickly just launched off into a conversation about things they could complain about. Yeah, yeah. I was listening to a podcast earlier, similar to the, the remark they have about, I hate when they put the movie poster on the cover of the books, like when they re- reprint it or whatever. And someone was saying like, and I think it was definitely mostly facetious, but the same way that like there's like some truth to it. But they were like, uh, I don't like reading books like just before a movie comes out because usually the only copy you can find are the ones that have like the stamp on it that say now a major motion oh, picture. Yeah. And I don't want to come off as like just hopping on the bandwagon. And like, I get what he's saying, and I've probably been guilty of that too. But at the same time, like, who cares? Like, that's that's your own internal issues of like acceptance with other people and things like that. But it's also like, I can also see someone in the fandom being a super big dick about you just hopping on the bandwagon yeah. because, like, oh, I've been reading Dune for twenty years. You just started reading because there's a movie coming out. Like, who cares? It's more, that's the thing that I hate about fandoms is. People want to be accepted in these fandoms. They want these phantoms to be, you know, bigger and to be and to get movies and to get bigger budgets so that they can continue to survive and be topical. But then when they start accepting more people in, or rather they make it so more people can sort of get in on the fandom, there's that gatekeeping of like, oh, well, I've been in for 20 years and you've only started reading for a year. That's not the same level of appreciation. He's like, who fucking cares, man? It's more people to enjoy the thing that you like. Why is that so bad? 
Why does that affect you so much? It doesn't matter. Because how can they feel superior if they're open <sighs> to other viewpoints? So dumb. Uh, I actually don't like those covers either, but I, I had never thought of it the... I don't want it to look like I'm jumping on the bandwagon. I just don't like it because it, like, dates it. And, like, obviously, like... That's I mean, fair. I mean, obviously, like, there are book covers... Yeah, I guess in any era the way book covers are designed they're designed to, like you could, you could look at a book and say like oh this was designed in the 70s but so it's not dated in the fact of like it looks old it's just dated in the fact of like I don't know especially I feel like if it's a movie that didn't do well or something <laughs> like it just to a me it's a little reminder. yeah it's, it's just a little awkward to just like have like this random yeah. like movie poster looking cover and look so that's why I just prefer I guess quote unquote normal book covers not for not for because i don't want i mean because i don't want to look like i'm jumping on the yeah. bandwagon that's like a little i don't know but I mean, not how like, i would think about but it the I same guess. same argument if you're displaying your books most likely you're only seeing the spine so you're never going to see that yeah. cover anyway so it doesn't really matter in the end but yeah it's just it's a it's a silly mental hurdle to prevent you from ever reading or doing something like if it's a thousand pages i absolutely i would agree with you that's a lot to try and invest into a book but if like your main deterrent is just oh i don't like the cover of a book then you're literally judging a book by its cover and we know that's a bad thing to do that's true there's an idiom about it and everything you're an idiom how dare you (laughs) tracy's i guess about to kill himself or he's still contemplating suicide but he gets some relief in a um random passerby in her pie. They say people who kill themselves never regret it. Tracy, Tracy, stop. I found something for you to live for. Already have a room full of old black women. No, Trey, this is Celia Monroe from Celia's Bakery. She lives in a nursing home on Long Island now. We're all sleeping with Carl because he has the most puzzles. But we tracked her down and she baked you a banana cream pie, see? That's something you didn't have. So that means there must be other things I don't have. Other reasons to live. You guys must have went through a lot of trouble to show me that. You must have been upset. And I know how that feels because I've been upset. I was very upset when you put no presents on my birthday invitations. That's what this was about? Why didn't you just tell us back in your dressing room? Because showing is better than telling. And my schedule is like this week. Thank you. We're coming up on the finale. Of, uh, of this episode, I mean, there's, I mean, that's the last scene definitely speaks for itself. It's just so Tracy's whole thing was literally like, I could have told you this beforehand, but I didn't because the pageantry and the we had to have drama, a scene plot. I mean, yeah, like it's just like his revelation is, wait, this is something that I don't already have. Isn't did, did Grizz and Dot Com already essentially say that when they said you have everything? Like, what? Just he learned an existential lesson about life, man. Not not a great plot. Anyway, uh, back at 30 Rock, Jenna and Liz learn they need each other. Uh, Jack and Kenneth learn they need each other. And finally, Tracy gets what he wants. Pet presents? That's, enough, that's the thing. Is he When he starts getting presents at the end, he's like, I've already got that. I've already got that, but he's happy. But it's like his whole thing was he was getting presents he already had. Right. You know, he's had a revelation and he has more to live for. So, I don't know. Now, you're trying. should have treated you the way I did, Liz. I need someone who has so little going on in her life, she lets me get all the attention. And I need someone in my life who doesn't listen to a word I say. Thank you. I just got it cut. Sometime you're gonna get what you put out. 
I was wrong. I do need you. You had me. I was wrong. I do need. I can replace just about everything you do, but no machine could ever be the human wastebasket that I dump my stupid mistakes into. Dump, sir. Dump all over me. You thumb with a wig. Those gifts were supposed to go to the 60th floor. I'm sorry, sir. It was all my fault. Good job, Jack. Blame it on an albino. Classic, because it works. I can never replace you guys. I love you, presents. I have that. If that. Oh. I've already got this. Oh, my goodness. I already have this. I definitely don't need that. You can tell everything's going to be better now because of the because of the uh, I don't we call it like the 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 vaguely uh, like the, upbeat uh, I, 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 I call it the 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 Dawson's Creek genre music where it's like mm-hmm. I don't want like I don't want like that I don't know, that type of song yeah. like to me is typified but, like I don't want to wait it's just uh, like yeah exactly like 90s soft rocky sounding type thing that's like upbeat like I don't know it's just, like everything's yeah. better now yeah no I'm, I'm going through modern family uh, slowly uh, I thought I'd seen all of season one, and maybe I did, but I'm not remembering anything really past the first few episodes. So a lot of it's brand new to me. Um, but every one of their episodes ends with something like that, and even Community made a joke about that of like that mockumentary filming style. Of, like you can have a series of plots who are seemingly pointless and non-essential, but then if you wrap it all up with a talking uh, monologue and soft music playing, it makes it feel like something important has happened. And he's and and they're like they're right because a lot of what happens in Modern Family is mostly inconsequential. But when they when they sort of put a little bow on it and they they basically summarize the entire episode and like what it was about, then it's kind of like oh, this doesn't feel. As, I they want to make it feel special, but now it just feels like hacky. I don't know. I guess I guess it, it's a person to person thing. I'm sure the families watching Modern Family were probably really into that idea. But like as a cynical jaded person or someone that knows like that what like the manipulation that they're trying to do to get the emotional reaction out of you, it's kind of like oh this doesn't work as well as I think they yeah. wanted to for me. But I'm curious to see how you think it plays now because I mean at the time it felt very fresh like in a way that probably there have been so many wannabes and like knockoffs since then that maybe mm-hmm. doesn't as much now. But I mean like I remember at the time it really did feel like I mean I I guess the kind of faux mockumentary style had already been done a little bit in things like The Office, but like it didn't feel I don't know I guess because I don't know. It just felt like it was different, even though like obviously there have been plenty of families at comms. Like it just it felt like a very like new take on it at the time. The thing that I'm curious about is is the reason that they're being filmed. Like I mean they they uh, they opened up that story element in the office where they sort of broke the fourth wall of the reason they were actually doing the whole mockumentary to begin with, they ended up making that a story element. And I don't know if that's the case of Modern Family. I don't know if they're going to go that route because I feel like if they do do it, then it just means they're copying The Office. So, like, I'm just... It doesn't it doesn't matter and it wouldn't destroy the show for me, but at the same time, if they never address why they're doing this, then it's kind of like... Why make it a mockumentary and why not just then make it, you know, a, a traditional, more sitcom set up rather than just sort of being niche at the time and I don't know like 
I'm just curious if they address the reason it's being filmed as a mockumentary style. Yeah, I'm watching than, it a few seasons, so I have no idea. Yeah, I, I, I really don't think I continued after season one because not that it was bad. I was just like, I think at the time I was probably watching a lot of shows. I just didn't want to keep up with that one in particular. But we'll see, we'll see how it goes. But I ran for eleven years. That's gonna be a yeah. Lot it, of I mean, it just ended, ended last, last year, year, beginning of last yeah. year. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, final thoughts on the Ballad of Kenneth Parcell? So the outro is, I guess, literally the Ballad of Kenneth Parcell. It's like, it's just, I didn't like get the point of it. Like, it, it's not, I don't know, to me, like, it wasn't, it's not that funny or, I don't know. Yeah. I, don't know. I mean, yeah. How, but... What did you think of it, I guess? Because I just like, to me, it was so weird and out of place that I was like, what is the point well, of this? Well, that's the thing is like, <sighs> So in this episode, he's fired from his job. Uh, he has one moment where he begs for his job back, and then the very end he gets his job back because he re- because Jack realized the the robot wasn't working and made made a mistake. Like it wasn't because Kenneth is a good worker. It literally was just because Jack made a mistake. He realizes, oh, I gotta have Kenneth back. Like that wasn't really an earned story. And the fact that the whole episode is called the Ballad of Kenneth Parcell, and they have this little small folk song at the end over the credits is like. Uh, not yeah. much of a payoff, I guess. Like it just seems like okay. Yeah. So like to to me, right when you when you call the episode the Battle of Kenneth Kenneth Parcell, like literally like the stinger or whatever, like totally relates to that. Like it almost seems like I mean to me that was the B plot. It was his part was the main part. Like I think about like I don't know one of the more prominent episodes like Stone Mountain or you know what I mean like one of the where he's prominently featured. It's like it seems I mean. The I the, I don't know the concept of something called the Ballad of Kenneth Parcell like could be really funny, but it's like I don't it just I, I don't why wasn't he in the forefront of the episode? I mean right. he's kind of important because that right they're eliminating the page program that's his whole whatever, but it's not played like the a plot of the main point. Like it's almost like he's the side character in like Jack's the main part yeah. of that plot. So to me like it seems weird that they're I don't know that they call the episode that and have this where it's I don't know like. They could have played it up like he doesn't have that much of an excess to ever. You're right. Like I said at the beginning, like he has like he has a little bit of an existential crisis, but like he doesn't really have that much. Like it's kind of yeah. like it goes so fast. Like you said, from he's out of a job to oh wait, he's hired back right away. That's like there's no room for conflicts. Yeah. Like I feel like yeah, like you could have made a whole episode. I mean, and there have been episodes before, obviously, in the past about him not being a pay or like being fired because there's a thing where he gets what demoted and then. Yeah leaves the, or he leaves the company right because he goes works mm-hmm. on the on the, the cbs the cbs right the whatever show and then yeah. letterman or whatever and then mm-hmm. comes back and, and that was I don't like know. a multi-episode yeah like the like that could have been an episode that you could have called in built around the quote-unquote ballad of yeah. kind of like that would have been more appropriate it just yeah. didn't seem like it got enough time in this plot and i feel like we're saying a lot of negative things like i think like the whole general liz plot is actually no, really absolutely. funny like Super to me funny. like I, I think it's a really good episode and because that plot the a plot is like really strong yeah but yeah it's just uh, yeah and, i don't know parts of the other things that are just yeah. and if we're going i mean much. i know we've we've sort of talked about this and sort of thrown it out but if we're talking about time how much time has gone by in this episode oh i didn't think it's about been any 24 that. hours because yeah. The episode starts with Jenna and Liz going to Outback, and the episode ends that with night. that night because she's already unless it was a different day and she had Outback in the again later oh, in the week. But I, yeah, 
I think the joke I think is the match, way. I think the, the joke is they were both it yeah. all happened in the same day meaning Kenneth lost his job the robot made a mistake Kenneth got his job back all within not even less than 24 hours so it's like I mean we've established this point that 30 Rock has no, very right, long loose, days but I mean <laughs> one of the jokes in this episode no, is literally oh I've already had a blooming onion today yeah. so it's that's saying this episode all happened in one day so it's like okay so Again, the weight of Kenneth's actions and the stuff that happened to him didn't really seem to matter. But I'm going to probably have to put my foot in my mouth because the next episode is Kenneth's storyline is setting up him quitting the page program after he discovers that no one had missed him during his absence in the previous episode, which is something they could have set up in this episode Mm. and they didn't. Because time constraints. Could Maybe the next one should have been called The Ballad of Kenneth Parcell then. Yeah, for real. Um, but anyway, next week's episode is that. Um, Liz and Jack have negotiations over her new contract. And Tracy and Jenna are hired as entertainment at a bar mitzvah. Wait, Jenna at a bar mitzvah? I know. Wasn't she... What happened to all the fame from her America's Kids Got Singing? Well, that's how she's... She's... she's. That's how... I mean, what? You think... What, is bar mitzvah too low for Jenna? Is that what you're saying? Well, I guess it depends on whose bar mitzvah it is. If, if it's like... Uh, if it's it's a Nicholas... Thing. It's uh, Adam Goldstein's oh, bar mitzvah. Oh, Adam Goldstein. Yeah, you know, the famed Goldstein family. I mean, is that the son of a, a, a famous uh, producer or something? No idea. We'll, we'll have to find out. We'll have to find out. Um, but it also introduces Hazel what's her name so Kirsten Shaw who was also she was in an episode of Modern Family in the first season what? do you remember that no because no. no one did well I feel like she's guest started on a lot oh, of yeah, comedies so. um, but also your favorite uh, MSNBC host is also in Rachel Maddow Rachel Maddow no just kidding Susie Orman oh I like um, her too yeah anyway because that's the show that Kenneth uh, decides to join after he quits the page program Hooray. Hooray. All right. Well, as always, thank you for joining us on Go To There. If you like what we're doing, rating, reviewing, and all that fun stuff, it's going to be the best way to help us out. Otherwise, we will see you next week in episode 108. Jesus Christ. Uh, Episode season six, episode five, entitled Today You Are a Man. David, take us out. See you next time. Gather around and hear my story about a boy named Ellen. First name Kenneth, last name Parcel. Wasn't born in any glory, a big farmer's son by birth. Headed off to New York City to the mouth of hell. His hands were never blistered by hammer, axe, or hoe. His clothes were never soiled with blood stains of his foe. But he could tell you facts about golden girls that no man ought to know. He's a page for the ages, Ken Parcel. Always. I'm from Tampa, Florida. Leech abuser! Nice try, peanut bitches. But I saw you hiding in the crowd. You just threw paint on a nobody who can't even sing.